0: Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Steven Maggie, the podcast. With us is Rosalind Poon, one of our very favorite guests. She's back again because she's written a new book, and I love this. It's called Reset Your Inner Clock and Live Younger Longer. And what a, what a great concept. We talked just a little about it the last time Rosalind was on, and now, lo and behold, we have a great book out. It's a fun book. Rosalind. first of all, let's just talk about the process of putting this book together. You know, you had these concepts when we talked last time. Writing a book is a big deal, isn't it? It's not as easy as people think it is.
1: That's an understatement, mate. i tell you what. I mean, people complain about, well, it takes nine months to produce a baby. Well, this book has got everything over that. I mean, <laughs> gosh, that's right. So to me, writing the book, I, like most people, thought, oh, it's an easy thing to do. I'll just write all my little ideas down and get them in chronological sequence and do all the things and went through a few of those write your book in 40-hour events, you know, or the other one was write your book in one weekend. So I did all of that. Spent a lot of money. I have to admit, though, it didn't actually get me very far. So, it, in the end, I think the writing of the book really came down to what did I actually want to say to someone? What was the most important thing? Mm-hmm. And once I got into that, and Bunker was terrific. He, I'm much better speaking than I am writing. So he interviewed me, which was great. So we did 12 hours. Can you believe it? Wow. Of interviews. And we went through the whole book and that really did help. So anyone out there who's trying to write their own book, what I suggest you do is get your other partner or some friend to interview you about the topic. It's a great idea. And and then what I did was we sent the interviews off to a transcribing company and they sort of had a go at transcribing it. Obviously, they're not really good with Australian accents, but that's okay. Mm. Um, And that, again, all it does, though, is it actually gives you a solid foundation for the book.
0: You know, Dean Koontz, the really prolific author, once told me the key is you've got to write at least a page a day or something because it's sort of a – it's a whole process and you're not going to put the thing aside and then come back and do a couple of days and then put it aside. Is that true?
1: Well, it probably is, but I have to be honest with you. I did have moments when I put it aside because I'm not a professional author as such like Koontz or Stephen King or anybody like that. I've written a couple of books as a ghostwriter, but that's a different different scheme, I suppose. When you're writing it for yourself, it has a lot more to do with what's going on in your head. And in all honesty, there were times that I put the book aside for a year or two. Really? So forget about a day or two. Yes, because what you do is life gets in the way, as they say. Right. And so there are times when you actually have to get out there and earn a living. So <laughs> you have to do stuff. And when I earn a living... My stock in trade is that I'm a software designer. And as an IT software designer, that's all in your head. So once you get on one of those projects, there's really no room for me in my own brain. It's all technology. So then to get back into what's important to me, I need a little bit of a break.
0: One of the things you do, you talk about software development and so forth. 21st century, this book is – it's written in such a way you can just glance through the book – it's written with the way people read now. A lot of bullet points, a lot of gr- pictures, graphs. It, it makes it immensely yeah. readable.
1: Thank you, Steve. It, it is. And, and I did that on purpose because I've also, again, coming from IT, we're research crazy. Right? So I did. Over the last sort of five, ten years, I've been researching how people read or how they get information now. And you're quite right. It's It's little tiny chunks. But also... What I really wanted to do, I I found a research paper many years ago which said, this is terrifying, that only, I think it was 0.01%, so one-tenth of a percent of people who buy self-help books or self-improvement books actually get past the index. And I thought, give me a break. Sorry, I was about to swear I'm Australian. (laughs) I I, I didn't though, I caught myself. So, you know, (laughs) give me a break, this is ridiculous. So why am I going to put all this effort into a book if, in fact, one-tenth of the people who buy it will actually get past the index? So that inspired me to work out how to write something which would appeal to the people who really do need to read it.
0: Right. And we're going to get into the details, but it seems to me this is something you're going to want to buy the book, read through it is great, but you're going to keep it around like a reference book because that's the beauty of this. Hopefully... If you take stuff
1: from it, which we
0: should, you'll be using this the rest of your life.
1: Well, that's the general idea because it's not just a one-stop shop. The point is resetting your inner clock is about making you aware, first of all, that you can actually do that. And and that's the most important thing and we can talk about that when, when you're ready. But the book is written in such a way that it has one chapter per point. It's easy to read. And like I said, we have graphics, we have little charts and all sorts of things. We have real-life examples from real-life humans. Um, And then halfway through the book, I have a complete revision set so you can revise what you've done so far. Because the first half of the book explains to you how you got to be as old as you are, which is the first thing you have to work out. Like when I used to do car racing and rallying, my navigator used to say, I don't care that you want to get going, right? We, don't know, we can't go to where you need to go until we actually work out where we are.
0: Right. <laughs> so you have to
1: know where you are before you can actually map where you want to get to. So the same thing with the book. So the first half is about how you got to be as old as you are and why you were like that. And then the second half of the book is how to fix it.
0: Well, and I think what's great about the book is for the first time I met you, you told me the story of you were in Australia, I was playing. It was a birthday. wasn't particularly a great birthday. So I'm going (laughs) to reset my clock. and I'm I'm thinking to myself, uh, looking at John and saying, she might be a bit of a nut. And then as we talked about this, well, as we started talking about it, it made perfect sense. Because you got to get past this idea of, well, this isn't out of the norm. You're right. So talk about that because you just decided I'm not going to be this age. I don't want to be and I'm not going to. And then your body kind of listened to your mind
1: and – Went well, with it. it well, look, the mind drives everything. That's the first thing, and you're quite right. For just as a, a quick recap, yeah, it was my forty-fifth birthday, so it was—I hate to say this—but it was chronologically twenty-one years ago. And before you all hang up on whatever, <laughs> I'm forty-five now. So now you've got to work out how did I do this, right? So this is a real time warp. So on my forty-fifth birthday, I bought myself a fantastic new electronic fat scale from the United States. And when I, what it did was it actually calibrated your body content with regards to your fat content. I don't know why any 45-year-old tired businesswoman would ever want to do that, but I did. Obviously, I'd really lost the plot. So I got the scales. It was a Saturday. I went to my office. I had a computer company. I closed the doors, opened up the package, started reading the book. And The first thing it says is, Stand on the scales naked. And I thought, hmm, okay. And I was, well... I'll double lock the door just in case some of the programmers don't come in because it's a Saturday. Turned all the lights off. <laughs> and I did. I got, I, I got undressed. And I, I put the scales down and I actually stood on the scales. And it's pretty dark and I need my reading glasses. So I'm having difficulty reading the little book. But all of a sudden the scales started to radiate this incredible green light. So it, to me it was like radiation. Yeah. So I crouched down and I look at it. And it says that I've got a body fat percentage. I think it was something like 38%. I forget what it was now. Anyway, all I knew was, my God, I'm chronologically dead. I'm clinically dead. This is this is the end. Not only am I miserable, depressed, a little bit overweight. 45th birthday, and and I'm actually at work. But now the scales tell me I'm dead. So I was horrified, and I think this is this is the big thing. I was, I went. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Well this is terrible. I'm 45. And what my brain did, which all our brains do, is it did a time jump to 50. So all of a sudden I'm 50. Right. And of course, when you're 50, your brain goes, oh no, we're 60. Oh my God. That's the end. It's the finish. I'm done. It's dusted.
0: Right. Time to retire.
1: And... Well, that, that was it. It was time to retire. And I thought, hang on, I can't retire. I don't have enough money to retire. I mean, my lifestyle was pretty good at the moment. Everything was going. I had a nice portion the, in the garden. I had all sorts of friends and things happening. But, but the business wasn't going well enough that no. I could imagine it was due for retirement. And that was when, before I jumped off and slashed my wrists with a paper, whatever I could find, all of a sudden I thought, well, hang on. If I look at my world as someone who is 32, and I don't know where 32 came from, it wasn't necessarily a great year, it was just a number. What would it look like? And so at 32, I looked around. I'm still naked on the scales, by the way. I looked around and I thought, well, hang on. For a 32-year-old, I've got 30 years to retire. Okay, I've got a software company. I write software for the three largest banks in Australia. I've got a black Porsche out in the driveway. Life's good. Well, life's actually not bad at all. You know, this is sounding really good. And so I thought, well, hang on. Who says I have to be 45? Nobody. It's, this is crazy. There are no rules and regulations any longer. Once you're over 21 in Australia, you're an adult. Right. Do what you like. So I'm thinking, well, okay, I'm not going to be 45. It's my life. I'll do what I want to do. And that was the epiphany. I realised that, in fact, we have control. We decide. But the thing is, most of us aren't aware that we can decide.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because we're, we're conditioned. Hey, this is what time is when you're 60, you're 60, or you're 50, you're 50, and that's it. You can't do anything about it. But that's if right. you think of all the people that are 50, there'll be some that'll look like they're 30. There'll be some that'll be acting like they're 70, you know?
1: Exactly. And, that, and that's, a lot of that has to do with your environment. Right. And, and that's well, the big thing. Yeah, to talk about that. Okay, so when I, when I did. got off the scales, I'd reprogram myself. So for me, it was within minutes. But then I spent the next twenty odd years reinforcing it and living it, and which is why.
0: And that's the, that's the key too. You can everybody can say that, and then the next day they go back to what they're doing. No. Well, I, gotta, I actually
1: I'm living proof now. I can stand up and quite categorically explain to people that I am forty five years old now psychologically. My driver's license, which is the chronological age, of course, says that I'm sixty six, but I make decisions like a forty five year old woman, and part of whole process we talked about, once you realise that you can control or at least have input into your ageing process, you have to realise, like I said in the book, what caused you to be this way in the first place though, right, to get old and it's to do with your environment Mm -hmm. and as I say in the book, if you live in a culture where people live to be 110, 112, you don't think about it. You just naturally live that lifestyle and you naturally, without thinking about it, just assume that you're going to live well into your 100s. Right? But if you live in a culture where and, – and we all work on stereotypes because if we didn't, we'd never get through the day. So we stereotype everything. So if you live in a culture where the average person lives to around 70, 80, well, then you're not going to think about it because that's normal. Right. And we have too much trouble worrying about day-to-day living – let alone what's classified as normal. And as I say in the book, because something's considered normal doesn't make it right. Right. And and so you live in a culture where people are, you know, like you said, retiring at 60, 65. They're doing sort of going on trips and doing other things and sitting and watching television and potting around in the garden. And basically most people in the Western society live one-third of our lives in old age. You know, you don't have to do that.
0: I actually took your advice from the last time we talked and – I That's got really the idea. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling better. And part of it is thinking everybody looks at their parents' ages and when they passed away. Mine were typical. You know, they lived long lives but not particularly long. But we had a couple of relatives that were particularly long and lived a real healthy life. I go, okay, those are my genes. And I think there's <laughs> something to that because I think you're exactly right. If you go in a place where everybody dies in their 40s, you're going to expect to die in your 40s, right? right. And if you go to where they're 100, like you say – And it goes along with – I talked to some – couple of surgeons who I know, and they kind of just talked about this. And they said, well, I don't know about that, but I can tell you people's attitudes when they have to go into surgery make a huge difference. And and this goes right into what you're saying. So if you go in with an attitude like in your book, you're going to have a better chance of surviving it and recovering correctly and so forth.
1: Well, I think that's a, a good point. I was doing a talk at a ladies' group last week. And at the end, I asked questions. And one of the ladies said to me, well, have you ever had a life-threatening or a debilitating illness? And I figured where she was going. Right? Right. And I said, no, I haven't. However, if you start just investing in yourself and you start believing that you have some control over your life and your timeline... And if you could get back maybe even a month, a year, right, then you're going to be just that tiny little bit stronger to fight that illness yep. than you would be had you not done that. And, and, in fact, I've had one lady suggest that I do some talks at some cancer groups because it has all to do with what you believe. Well, absolutely. You know, and some people say, well, that's positive thinking.
0: Well, okay, <laughs> positive thinking works exactly.
1: Well, well positive thinking works... It's Provided that what you're thinking is positive. Right.
0: And the idea of resetting your inner clock, I love that because it's different than just saying, okay, well, I'm not going to get old or I'm not going to be a real old person. I'm going to be a young person for my age. I like the idea of setting it because when you you pick a year, like if I think to myself, well, gee, I want to do – I want to feel like when I was 35. Yes. Well – I remember what that feels like, and that that affects how you get up in the morning. It affects what when you're thinking of the day, what you're going to do. It's so much more than just setting an age and saying, "Okay, that's it." It, it, it kind of go into
1: detail about that because right. it's it more than that. It doesn't work to set just set an age, right. but I do remember my mum when I was growing up. She was 27 for a very long time.
0: <laughs> but
1: you know, it has everything to do with your beliefs and your state of mind, and those two are. Entwined. So, what you believe affects your state of mind, and your state of mind affects what you believe. So, what I say in the book is that when you're first looking at resetting your inner clock, one of the things you have to do is you have to realize what your current state of mind is all about. And our state of mind changes quite a lot throughout the day. So, this is your core state of mind. So, are you generally a happy sort of person, or are you sort of the type of person that's a little bit, mm, life's a bit hard? I need a break, it's not fair. That's your core state of mind. So to live younger longer, you have to find out what your core state of mind is, and maybe you have to do some work on that. And then what I do is I help you to develop a living, younger, longer state of mind. And that's the state of mind you're talking about, where you're more alive, you have a little bit more energy. And even though I reclaimed 20 years, in fact, 21 years, what I suggest to people is don't just crazy stuff like that. I didn't start out like that. I started out, I think, reclaiming about 12 or 13 years. But the point is think about maybe just reclaiming what difference would reclaiming a week do? Right. And, and try that. Right? What would, and I didn't remember how I felt at 32 so you're lucky, mate. You could remember what you were like <laughs> at 35. I didn't remember but you know, I'd made, I made it up. So the point is it's it's about getting a state of mind which allows you to say, well, well, just because Tom, Dick and Harry next door think that at 60, it's now that's time they started taking up playing darts or going bowls or something like that and not maybe not going on adventures and things like that doesn't mean I have to.
0: More with author Rosalind Poon in just a moment. But first... When you visit Las Vegas, you're always looking for fun things to do. And I think one thing you got to put on your list is the Neon Museum. It's fantastic. What a way to learn the history of Las Vegas. But by the signs that go back all the way to the 1930s. The lobby, in fact, is a restored shell from the old La Concha Motel. It's a lot of fun. The staff there is incredible. really unique Las Vegas experience. So you can learn the history and have a blast. Go to neonmuseum.org. That's neonmuseum.org. You are listening to Rosalind Poon, author of Reset Your Inner Clock and Live Younger Longer. But that's a big thing, right? The environment. Absolutely. You get past 50, and all of a sudden, I had friends start talking about, oh, you're not know, going to the bathroom all the time, and oh, it's getting, getting old, and they the Rolling Stones song, what a drag it is, getting old. So you kind of have to make an effort, right? And, and maybe even that means spending a
1: little less time around that. This is, the, this is the clincher, right? If you accept the fact that you have control over your aging, the sad part about it, boys and girls, is – now you have a choice. You can either knowingly ignore it and grow old and die and live a third of your life growing old right? or you can suck it up and say, well, okay, right, I've got to take responsibility for it. Right. And, and when I talk to people, most people I talk to say, oh, I'm not scared of dying. I just don't want to get old. Right. right. Well, well, do something about it. Right. I can't stop you from dying. But I can help you make sure that you get more out of the life that you're living. We concentrate these days on longevity, and everyone's got a longevity diet, a longevity thing, a longevity that. Right. Well, my logic is, well, okay, lived one hundred and ten, but why would I want to live a third of that the last thirty years in old age? right It doesn't do anything for me
0: well, your book that's what your book talks about it's exactly. quality of life
1: exactly that's I, right I mean I'd much rather live thirty years with my state of mind now, right now, and then if I have to die at 90, I don't care, you know, the point is I want real life. Exactly, yes. mm. exactly. And it's just so easy to, well, gee, I'm in my 70s
0: now, so I guess that means I can't do anything. Oh,
1: it doesn't have to be that way. You're so right, mate. And that's our culture, that's our environment that does that. And because it is environmental and our environment has feeding our subconscious all our lives... Yeah. We're not conscious of it. It's just, oh, well, you see your friends doing this, you see your neighbours doing this, you see your work colleagues doing this. And like you said, someone's complaining about their back, and they're going, oh, you know, this is getting old has got tickets on it, as we would say in Australia. I have no idea what that saying means. But anyway, <laughs> in Australia, we would say it's got tickets on it. Um, it's actually not time that's doing that to you. It's your lifestyle that's doing that to you.
0: And we have to fight the culture in that sense because think about it. If you sit at home, you're done with your day's work, you watch some television, how many different prescriptions are you going to see? <laughs> different drug things. Well, if you have this, you can take this. You can take that. And that's all fine if you need it. But it does, you get done and go, my gosh, if I see another catheter commercial, I'm going to die. Well,
1: that's true. <laughs> but what it's doing is it's actually getting into your subconscious. I think one of the ads that I really, really hate – is when they're advertising funeral insurance. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking here's this poor person they're quite happy. They've just had dinner. They're sitting down watching ready to watch their favorite show. Everything's fine. All of a sudden this funeral insurance thing comes on. Now, whether they like it or not, that starts to go into their subconscious. Yeah. And that's what the advertisers are promoting. Right? I mean, they don't do it by accident. I mean, they have a deliberate strategy to get inside your head. These insurance companies, for example, and I've worked for insurance companies as a software developer, they have whole departments of really clever people who actually work out the optimum time to start getting into your head about certain things, hoping that they will trigger your actions, which will then fall into the right demographic for that particular product. That's pretty scary, isn't it? So they develop a product, then they start to program your mind so that you follow along and you buy that product.
0: Right. Let's talk about the other side of it. All you hear about are millennials. All the ads are aimed at millennials. <laughs> so what you're talking about doesn't mean, well, go act like you're in your 20s. That's not. You're not talking about that.
1: It's, you're quite right, Stephen. It's not like that. And in fact, I think it's pretty funny about millennials now because these days, apparently when you're 40-year-old, so I think, yes, <laughs> it's finally caught up to these little bunkers. Sorry, these little people. Yes, I'm sure these guys will edit this out. Um, but anyway, the point is it's, it's not about wiping out years of your life. In fact, it's about maintaining all the experiences that you've had, all the wisdom, all the lessons, all the mistakes, but giving yourself time to use what you've learned. So don't, you don't start off with a clean shade of paper and say, okay, wow, today I'm 32 years old, right. right. No, you start off with saying, well, my energy and my state of mind and my life timeline is now 32 years And you've just reset that. That's all you've done. You haven't turned the clock back because you can't on your life. And and I don't want you to because those experiences are worth something. When I did it, I thought, wow, all the things I've learned in the last 10 years, I've just given myself 30 years to use it. This is good stuff. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And it's one of those things where you're not supposed to read your book and then just do it to yourself and not tell anybody. There's nothing wrong, I mean, to tell people, hey, this is this is my age. I've decided this is my age. And they'll laugh and stuff. And then they, when you leave, they're going to go, wow,
1: she, she really seems young, you know. Well, because she is young. Yeah. It's a friend of mine, one of the friends that actually reviewed the book. And he's a gentleman in his, I think he said 70, chronologically. Very successful businessman. So I gave it to him to read. And when he gave me the review, he said, "You know, Roz, anyone considering plastic surgery should read your book." And and I said, "Really?" He said, "Yes." He said, "Because what they're doing is they're paying a lot of money, which is I have no problem at all, in getting the outside fixed." Right, not the brain. Exactly. So he said, "If they read your book, then they're going to get the most incredible outcome because." their mind will be recalibrated along with what the surgeon's done to recalibrate the outside. And I thought about that and thought, wow. Now this is coming from a 70-year-old guy, not a, a woman. Right. So I thought, that's pretty impressive. Mm.
0: No, and I think, I think it's right on the money, you know. And it kind of reminds me of the old ad, the one I really liked back from the 60s was Pepsi, for those who think young. This is, you're thinking young, and you're thinking of yourself, and young is whatever young is to you. It's exactly. not necessarily your 20s. Thank it's, you.
1: It is. It's exactly what you do. One lady at the, one of the talks, a young lady, so I was really pleased. She must have been probably late 20s, early 30s. And she obviously has a problem with maintaining her weight based on her image, right, of all the other, her friends that do right. things. And, and I made a clear point to say, when you read the book, you don't have to run out and get yourself a trainer. You don't have to run out and buy the latest diet books. I don't want you to do any of those things. What I want you to do, first of all, is just read the book, take your time, do the exercises. And when you screw up or when you forget, don't worry about it. You're human. Human means that we're not perfect. And I'm not one of those gurus that stands up on stage and says, Oh, in seven days, you're going to turn your whole world around and it's going to be like this. It's not true. It, it doesn't – it takes more than seven days.
0: Well, what I like is you don't come across as some of these people do where it's like if you want it bad enough, you can have it. You're saying like, no, no, it's not that. Just think differently. And that – you can buy this yes. book and you can read the first couple pages and go, okay, I'm going to pick this. Then here's your, here's your manual. Here's how you do it.
1: It's exactly – and that's the point. We're all human. So it took me 20 years to write this book because that's what I've done. I've, I've lived 20 years since I first recalibrated my, my thinking. And so I know what's involved and I know that there will be times when someone will get to the book and they'll get all excited and they'll get to Chapter 3 and think, wow, okay, well, I'll put this down and I'll do the exercises and then life happens right? and it might be a year before all of a sudden they'll, take, they'll clean up all the books they've got stacked yep. next to their bed. right? <laughs> oh, that's that book Ros wrote. You know, but I think part of the
0: reason is you're writing about the brain, and it's just like when, when you think of people with mental illness, and I'm not comparing this to mental no. illness, but I've, you know, uh, people don't know what to do with it, and they try to hide it, it whereas with other things, you, you have a broken leg, you take care of it, you go to the doctors, they set it, it's, you're back. Well, yes. this is the kind of thing. Rather than if you're feeling down and stuff, why not try it and, and you're worried about age. Look at it from a different perspective. It's amazing.
1: The brain will respond to that, and and it does respond to that. And life is just an incredible thing. One of the ladies who reviewed the book, she came to me and when she gave me the review, she started to cry, and I thought, goodness, don't tell me the book's that bad. Like you know, (laughs) she is. Give me a break. (laughs) Anyway, but she's she's a very lovely lady, and and she's given me approval to talk about it. She's spent her. Over 28 years in pageants. Right? So she's gorgeous. So her whole life is all about looking fabulous and being fabulous.
0: And every time she probably looks at the mirror, uh oh, I'm another, well, or looks at the not, calendar, not I should till, say. Not <laughs> just
1: recently though. Yeah. So her last title was Mrs. Globe, Universe, Intergalactic, whatever. Anyway, the, the biggest right. title you could get. So she got that. But then she had to hand the crown in because it was the end of her reign. And the contract is that she's not allowed to do any more pageants. So all of a sudden there was a big life change. And the same week she discovered that she had skin cancer. Oh, boy. Exactly. So it wasn't a really good week. And she said, she went home after the pageant and sat down and decided, well, that's it. Obviously, I just have to change my ideas now about life and I'm getting older and that's all there is to it. And I'll just readjust everything that we do. And she said, I saw your book in the folder, I thought, well, I did tell Roz I'd review her books. So, so she said, I picked it up. I had no idea what it was about because I didn't tell people what the book was about. And she said that partway through reading the book, she, she started to cry because she realised that, hang on, she didn't have to go down the way she was going. She could actually take control of her life, change her attitude, reset her psychological age to an age which she felt good about and, and take control of it. And she did exactly that, and that's why. And I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you know, she's been asked by people out of state now to be a spokesperson on skin cancer, and and all sorts of things have changed because her her state of mind's changed.
0: And that's really the key of this, right? It, it, you change your state of mind you got an openness to this, and nothing's going to really scare you about it. Again, as you do get chronologically older, you go with it. You go along with it because you're in control.
1: Well, it's just there. To me, it literally, as I say in the book, you you know, we have three ages. We have your um, physical age, your chronological age, and your psychological age. But right. they call your biological age is everyone. And the chronological age is the one that we all focus on. Every birthday, it's another one. Right? I've even seen people tick things off. Right, worst oh, thing yeah. you can do, right? Holy it's molly. like being in prison. Oh, it's just, it's exactly. And then, so what I talk, what I talk about then is the chronological age is just like a page number in a book. That's all it is. So if you're reading a great book by Stephen King, or someone like that, it doesn't matter that you're on page 163 or page 35. The page number just reminds you that on page 35, you know, some monster came out of the fog. Right. right. And so in your own book about your life that you're writing every second of the day, the chronological age is no more than a marker. It's a point in your whole timeline. That's all it is. It has no bearing on you. It has no bearing on your character. It has no bearing on anything.
0: Yes. And this is really what we talk about when we want to have control of our own lives. You're in control. You're running the thing. Yes. You're not letting the calendar run your how you feel and so forth.
1: Exactly, and that's another thing, I, Einstein and I agree, <laughs> in that time is a human construct. When you think about it, calendars and watches, the reason why we have them is simply so that we can coordinate with other humans. That's Great. what it is. It's a form of connectivity. It's a way we can, a standardised form of measurement, if you like, so that we can connect. But it's not how you, how you should live your life or how you should see your life or how you should age. That's yours. So now the book
0: is written. You're out there. You got the, the fun part, I think, of marketing it. People are going <laughs> to love this. I think this is going to be one of those things, too, where people are going to keep this. You will not throw out the book. You're probably going to have to buy a book for your neighbor you want to share it with because you're going to want this in your library. I look at this thing as something you kind of have to work on. and not, 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 It's not hard, but you've got to just keep reminding yourself, hey, I'm in control, it's and that's, all, it's all here.
1: It's all about awareness, as I said, we just live life. And we live life according to all our friends and our mates and our environment. We don't really think about it. We're too busy paying the rent or paying the mortgage and things like this. What this does is this makes you aware that this is what's going on. Right. And you better have a look at it before it gets a little bit too late. Right? And at the same time, though, there's nothing that I want you to do that's, not, that's superhuman. In fact, it's very human that I want you to do it.
0: Have you been out in the psychological community talking to psychologists or psychiatrists? Because this is a tool that people could really use. It seems to me it would be
1: good to have in their libraries. (laughs) (laughs) I deliberately have not read any books on psychology simply because I wanted
0: to get in the way of your concept. I I wanted
1: to write a book for normal, everyday people, the people that don't normally buy books. Right. (laughs) Because the people who buy books – that's what they do they buy books and read them or consume, or throw them or stack them up in their libraries I don't know but I mean personally if I buy a book I read it but majority of humans don't necessarily buy books and it's the majority of the humans that I would really like to get to to say hey listen you know what would your life be like if you could have an extra year Wow, oh, forget about 20 years just, just an extra year sometimes I can hear people saying oh, you know I'm a, what's, that, what's that thing a dollar short and a day late or something right right well fine. Try getting a day back. You know? And as I said in the book, if, you're, if you really are ill and things really are difficult for you, I don't want to compound it. And I don't want you to feel inferior because you can't sit down and do it. All I would like you to do is maybe every day just give yourself five minutes. That's all. Five minutes. And for five minutes, think about, wow, you know, if I was younger or if I could walk or if I could do this, just Yourself feel better just for five minutes, right, right? And you'll be surprised how one day you might find that the five minutes has gone into ten minutes.
0: You have a follow-up book in mind, Rosalind? I was thinking, you know, once you write this, it's going to be a hit. And sure enough, you got it out there. Or, or is this it for you? Are you oh, no, done this, with the- <laughs> this? Is, this
1: is really the beginning. Uh, I have a couple of other projects in mind, and one's called Life Olympians. No, oh. And that's um, a phrase that I, I've coined because I think people, especially in the Western world, we do like to see examples of other people that have been able to achieve things that maybe we think mm, might be too difficult or maybe we could have a crack at it. And so yeah. it's good to see that other people it's are to it. It's impossible
0: until you actually do exactly. it. And
1: then <laughs> so, so Life Olympians is really all about that. And, and the other thing that I really want to do is I want to create a movement called Tribe Earth. And tri-birth has nothing to do with resetting your inner clock or life Olympians. Mm-hmm. Tri-birth is about, years ago, the elders in the community would have lots of wisdom and as younger people, we would go to them and ask. And, and as a young girl, I did. I, had a, I was very lucky. I had a Chinese uncle that I used to have dinner with every night at his restaurant. And he would cook the dinner and we would talk about life and he would teach me about the importance of youth and what happens when you get older. But in today's society, we don't tend to do that. So I thought, well, that's not really a good thing. So with tri-birth, what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage younger people to record stories and information about their grandparents and about their parents, about people that they've come across that have... Just because you're not a world-famous rock star or you're not some super-duper sports person and you're just an ordinary person, you know, you've got something to say. Exactly. And, and it, it's amazing how many
0: so-called ordinary people have done fascinating things or have been oh. witness to fascinating things. Yeah,
1: and we, we should know about it. And why shouldn't they be recorded for eternity on Absolutely. the internet like everyone else? So that's my tri-birth project.
0: Well, I love these. But right now Thank we have you. to get on with this first project because it's you. a great one. You do. Reset your inner clock That's what you look for In the stores Available everywhere Well
1: what you need to do Is go to Resetyourinnerclock.com And key in your name Email address And hit the buy now button And it'll take you through To Amazon And you can complete The purchase there But if you go to the website, when you get registered, that means that as I produce more information or I get guest speakers and things like this, I can actually email you and get you involved.
0: That's a smart way to do it. Reset your inner clock and live younger, longer. And that's really the key of the whole book.
1: Absolutely, mate.
0: Yes. (laughs) Rosalind Poon, thank you so much for being with us. Really, always enjoy chatting with you.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: You've been listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast, with new shows loaded twice weekly. Got a guest idea? Email us at info at vegasneversleeps.com and catch the show live every Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. to tell you about 360debtfree.com, a proven method of becoming debt-free that the banks don't want you to know about. And at 360debtfree.com, it doesn't matter what your credit score is. Isn't that right, Mike Margroth? You don't have to have perfect credit. You don't even have to have good credit. A lot of the people that we do business with, they can actually change their credit and improve it you know, by doing business with us just because of the way our, our proprietary program works. You know, you don't need additional lines of credit. pays off all your debt, not just your mortgage. And any interest-bearing payment, is, as far as that goes, all they need to do is go to 360debtfree.com, grab a copy of our free ebook, Turn Your Debt into Wealth, and have your free personal financial analysis call with one of my experienced advisors, I guarantee it'll be an eye-opener for them, to say the least, even. Thanks, Mike. Go to 360debtfree.com and download the free ebook. then schedule a free personal financial analysis call. Go to 360debtfree.com, start turning your debt into wealth at 360debtfree.com. That's 360debtfree.com.